Hello, Aaron Walker. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being hey. here. Hey, Jeff. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on today. And uh, I want to apologize like uh, beforehand if I start talking like I live in the South. It's a bad habit of mine. It, Wait a minute. What? It happens. Hold on. What, what's wrong with talking like you live in the South? I Not mean, at I've all. I've been in the South for 55 years. There's I, no, I love uh, it. I just okay. I don't want to offend you is all I'm saying. Oh, you're not going to offend me. Yeah. I won't listen to myself on audio because I sound so country. I'm, I I've love it. The, I can't I, get rid of it, though. That's the problem. <laughs> you, so, you shouldn't want to. I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> hey, this is this is fun, Jeff. Thank you for having me on today, man. It's a real honor to be on your show. You're you're welcome. And uh, I wanted to run another thing by you because I didn't really the first time I listened to one of your podcasts on another show, I think it was with Jamie Tardy, right? Yeah, uh, eventual millionaire. That yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. That was great. That was fun. It was a really good chat. Um, but for like the first yeah, maybe thirty seconds, I thought you might have been from Australia. Or maybe in New Zealand. <laughs> I don't know where you got that, but okay. I know. I know. I have no, yeah. it, it makes absolutely no sense. It was totally nonsensical, but that's, that's where my crazy. brain went. I know. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> hey, I do wear shoes though. I want the whole world oh, to know that. So I know I'm from the South, but I got on my Johnston and Murphy's today. So I do wear shoes. Get this though. Um, where I grew up is a place called Menominee, Michigan. So it's not as small as where you grew up in Tennessee there, I don't think. Um, but it, it was like the, the northern version of the country. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. So we're both small town guys is, is my point. You now, I you love did, small towns. You didn't grow up right in big city Nashville, did you? Well, it's oh. just north of Nashville in Madison, Tennessee, which is, you know, 10 minutes from downtown Nashville. Oh, so you that is kind of like growing up. In it's almost. It's all morphed into one now. It's right. all Nashville. You know, you say Hendersonville right, right. or Madison or whatever, and it's easier to say Nashville. Everybody knows, you know, country music, you know, Music City, USA right here. So Amen. it's just easier to say Nashville. Amen. So let's get into some of your uh, your rooming and your veering, because that's what we do here. So um Let's talk a little bit about when you were younger, because uh, I know you got into business like right away, right? Yeah, I did. I started yeah, early. You did. You did. And and I, I know a story that you told on Jamie's show about selling like seven businesses or something all at once <laughs> when you were 27. Am, am I getting uh, that right? Am I, I did. I did. Let me share that story. Yeah, How's that? I'll just please. share a little bit of the story. So at 13 years old, my dad asked me to help him one summer. He was a general contractor and he was going to remodel this pawn shop. And so I went and helped him and I thought, this is intriguing. It's down the road from my school. And I asked the guy that owned it. I said, when you get open in August, I said, what about hiring me? He said, what would you do? I said, I'll clean up the store. I'll wipe these showcases down. I'll do whatever you need. And he said, you're hired. It was like that quick. I said, the shortest interview in history. It happened right there. <laughs> and so I started working there, fell in love with the business. And then at 18 years old, met a couple of guys that had a lot of money. And I proposed to them that we open our own store. They agreed to it. Man, business was just like unbelievable right out of the gate. There were three of us. They were silent partners, and they had the financial wherewithal, and I had the experience. And we paid off a 10-year loan in 36 months, and we had the store paid for by the time I was 21 years old. Robin and I got married two weeks out of high school, 
which is crazy now that, that I look crazy. back and think, yeah, I think back, man, two weeks out of high school, we get married. And so we've got this storm, you know, a year later, we had a couple of girls. And so life is good. Business is good. But Robin and I decided to delay gratification. You know, we said, we don't want to get the big house and the big car. We want to live very modest and we want to pour all the money back into the business. We want to grow this business uh, because both of us come from very humble background. You know, my mom put canned goods in the pantry during the summer. So the winter we'd have things to eat. I'm serious. Yeah, that, no, serious. I, you know, my like, parents did that too. So, I so remember I'm, my mom canning, uh, pickles. Yeah. So I'm all about <laughs> knowing what broke is about. We lived in 800 square feet. There's four children, two adults. My dad never probably made over $15,000 a year in his life. So I know all about humble beginnings. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go for it. My mom wouldn't allow me to say the word can't. She said, can't, couldn't do it, and could, did it all. And you may not do it, but you're going to try. Well, because of that, it really developed a lot of self-esteem, you know, from within me. I had a lot of ambition. And so I really worked hard, and I mean really worked hard. And we really did good in that business, and we were able to pay it off. We saved the money, bought another store, and we repeated that exercise four times. It wasn't seven stores. It was four stores. Okay, well, and there you then go. a company in Fort Worth, Texas, called Cash America, came to Nashville when I was 27. They made me an offer I couldn't refuse, and at 27, I was done. And uh, it was just kind of that simple, you know. Nine years after I started it, I was done. But so what you, I found you out— the uh, the American dream a little early. I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> and you but skipped over the white picket fence and then I did. Pink I did. House. We, we did get a little white picket fence later on some stuff, but anyway, okay. so at 27, I'm at home and I play golf every day and I fish and I'm thinking, this is the life of Riley. This is it. This is awesome. I have arrived. I have arrived. And, uh, but what I soon discovered was I became very depressed I became very bored and people say, yeah, I'd like to try that. You know, I'd like a problem to have. Well, the problem is, is it's real. I know that's, that's the problem is like, I'm 27. I'm sitting on the couch every day. And Robin says, what are you going to do today? I'm, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I became very depressed, quite honestly. And I was getting in the bed, not on the bed. I was getting in the bed in the middle of the day and I gained 50 pounds in 18 months. And Robin come woke me up one day and she said, Aaron, this is not good. Uh, you've got to do something. You've got to go back to work. You've got to get a job. You've got to start another business. I don't care what you do, but you, you can't. I mean, your life is going, you know, for nothing here. It's, it's a waste. So I went back to the pawn shop where I worked and I asked the owner, I said, hey, could I work here? He said, Big A. They all call me Big A. He said, Big A, have you already run out of money? And I started laughing and I said, no, I'm not out of money, but I got to have something to do. So we formed a partnership and we spent the next 10 years, Jeff, building that business from when I left until the next 10 years, we quadrupled that business. We shared the work week and it was just a delight. I mean, I had so much fun doing that, but August 1st, 2001, my life changed forever. I was headed to work 7:30 in the morning, a pedestrian, didn't look my way, ran out in front of me. I hit the pedestrian, and unfortunately, he didn't make it. He lived three days in the Vanderbilt trauma unit. He was crossing the street to catch a bus, and it rocked my world. At that moment, everything stood still. So I got my composure and called 911. They came, got the guy, took him away, and uh, it rocked my world, needless to say. And so 
I took some time off. And then finally, after a couple of weeks, I went back to my partner and I said, I'm done. I've chased money, you know, for the past 20 years, I've been building businesses, starting other stores, making more money, the vacation homes, we've done all that stuff. And I said, there's something missing. And I just, what would my legacy be? You know, I would die today at this age. And then everybody would say everything he's done has been about himself. There was no significance to my life. I've been very successful. Right. But there, right. there was no, no significance. And so I took five years off. I took a break for five years. Robin and I built another house. We kind of changed locations and we traveled extensively and kind of had to refocus. I mean, you don't hit a pedestrian and get over it, you know, in a, in a minute. So wow, yeah, it, it happened again. This third time Robin comes and she says, listen, it's been long enough. You're getting fat again. It's time for you to get another <laughs> job. So that, went that, that should be that should be kind of yeah. like a uh, a, a warning bell monitor. now, right? It was my monitor. My belly right. is my monitor. When <laughs> I start, when I start it's like, that, weight, it's I like that, that turkey thing that pops out when that's the turkey's it. done. That's, that's it. That's, that's it. That, that's that's your belly. Uh, it's my fifty pounds. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, so I do the same thing. <laughs> I, it's it's my monitor. What can I say? So. I went into construction, went in the construction business and my dad, you know, uh, did that. So I was familiar with it. And the guy that built my house was a phenomenal craftsman, knew nothing about business. And I said, Hey, you keep doing what you're doing. I'll take my business skills and we'll build this business. So we spent the next eight years building that business. We built million dollar homes and small commercial. And then we built some homes that are a little smaller than that. And then we took that business to number one builder three consecutive years here in Middle Tennessee. It was a very, very good business. And we did all that with great customer service because I believe in great customer service. And then at 50 years old, I retired and I started coaching. So now I spend each and every day facilitating mastermind groups. I coach men one-on-one how to make themselves from an ordinary man to an extraordinary person. And so that's kind of our motto is we help ordinary men become extraordinary. And so now coach me in one-on-one, I have the community where guys all over the world come together in one setting virtually and we collaborate. Uh, we share resources, we hold each other accountable. 20 years ago, my friend Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller, uh, invited me to their mastermind group. And so I got to see up close how business is done. And Dave and I became very good friends and you know, we were his second sponsor when he started. That was with one station. Now he's on 800 stations. And Yeah, get into that story a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I remember you talked a little bit about that on, uh, on Jamie's show, too. So, did, and my question was, was Dave Ramsey wasn't Dave Ramsey, famous Dave Ramsey, when you met him, right? That yeah, happened people, after? People say, well, I'd be in that group, too, if I could be in there with him. But I'll tell you a funny little story. So... I went to a chamber of commerce breakfast in 1995. There were 20 people there, you know, and there's this guy out there speaking. And uh, I went up and introduced myself afterwards. And I said, hey, why don't you come down and check out my stores two miles down the road? And he came down there and looked at it. He goes, man, I'm starting a radio program here in Nashville. He said, I want you to advertise on my show. And I said, there is no way I'm advertising on your show. I don't ever heard of you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what your show's about. And he said, it's about helping people get out of debt. It's called the money game. And I said, no, thank you. I want no part of it. And he started laughing. He said, what if I give you a week free? What if I give you a week's worth of advertising? And I thought, well, I don't have anything to lose with that. So I said, sure, we'll do it. So we did. Jeff, in three days, I had so many customers come into my business and buy things. I called him and I said, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm all in. And we signed an (laughs) annual contract. And I've been on Dave's show now as an advertiser 
either a business I own or have owned for two decades every day. Wow. And Dave and I became very good friends as a result of it. And he invited me to join his personal mastermind group. So I got to watch him grow from one store giving away advertising. And I can promise you his ads, he is no longer giving away advertising. <laughs> I promise. Yeah, yeah, no, and he doesn't so, need uh, to do that anymore. No, he doesn't. I gulp occasionally thinking about what some of those costs are. But anyway, he invited me to this mastermind group. I didn't even know what a mastermind group was. Never heard of a mastermind group at that time. And so I said, hey, you know, if it's good for you, I'll try it. So I did. Best thing I've ever done in my entire life. It was a game changer for me because... I found out that I had 12 men that were non-biased that were trusted advisors. They were guys yeah. that didn't have any skin in the game, so they could give me an honest answer. They would encourage me, stop me, slow me down, or speed me up, and then call me out when I needed to be called out. And it absolutely, for two decades now, I can't even share with you the win that has been out of being in mastermind groups. Yeah, and, and so it's been a fun been a fun ride. The benefit that I get out of mastermind mastermind groups or similar style groups, maybe not necessarily just mastermind groups, but just even just like chatting with people on this podcast is uh they see my blind spots. Yeah. In yeah. me. Does that make sense? Yeah, because we're too close to it to see it ourselves. Right. And then when you take a different perspective or someone's looking through a different lens, it gives you a whole new uh, opportunity and you just like, you don't know what you don't know. And then when you put people together of like mind, very diverse, but of like mind, uh, you get a lot of interesting perspectives. Totally. Yeah. And the other thing that I've noticed that, uh, doing this podcast is as I'm like, say like the following week editing this show. I'm going to learn stuff about me. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's why I don't <laughs> listen to these audios. I sound so country. I listened to the first one I was on a long time ago, and I laid in the floor, and I said, Robin, please tell me that's not me. And she started laughing. And she said, and so since then, I don't listen to them anymore. When, if I'm a guest, I said, no way am I going to listen no, to I that. I can't listen nope. to that. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to listen but to myself. Anyway, I said, I can't believe people will listen to me as country as I am. But, no, I uh, cringe at, yeah, at I like, get you. I, know I, I cringe saying. at my little foibles and my little like uh, insecurities that creep out. You know, yeah. like if I'm like, um, I don't know, say like a little um, flustered because the person's, you know, like uh, a little bit famous or something. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I'm doing those weird little things that you might expect um, somebody in their 20s to do, you know, like little sucky uppy things, you know, I, and that's just one example from like a, a couple of guests ago. But it's just I it does make me cringe in the moment, but I see that it has a, a huge um, uh, personal growth benefit. It just makes you better. It just makes you better. Exactly. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. None of us have arrived, right? We're all a bunch of knuckleheads trying to figure it out. (laughs) And so it takes people, it takes people, you know, to, uh, to aid you on, to inspire you, to encourage you, to critique you. You got to subject yourself to that kind of scrutiny willingly. Right. See, nobody, nobody will do that if they're forced into it. But if you're willing to subject yourself to constructive criticism and that open dialogue and people to scrutinize what you're doing, it's not to criticize you. It's to make you better. Right. And we all want to be better, right? The day I get where I don't want to be better, man, I'm done. I want to learn to be content, but I don't want to be complacent. 
Yeah, that's that. There, therein, you just uh, you just hit on a, a nugget of wisdom that is a recurring theme. Not in not only in my show, but uh, I listen I listen to other self help podcasts. One of my favorites is uh, Eric Zimmer's One You Feed. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not. If you haven't, no, but I want to be it, on there. It's so a help great you. show. Yeah, I'll do an intro for Call you. The host, yeah, give yeah, me yeah, an intro. for sure. Um, but he talks a lot about. Um, that what you just said that um, learn to be content, but content, not complacent. content, right. but relaxed in in your growth. Yeah, you, see, people think that they acquire more, they're going to be happier, right? And, and see, that's happiness. Not true. And you already yeah. knew that you figured that one out when when you were twenty seven. Yeah. You had yeah, you you were had monopoly it. money, and right. and you were right. depressed and and yeah. sad on the couch. So you know why? Because happiness is not a trait; it's a choice. So and true. regardless of where you're at in life, you can elect, you can choose to be happy. The only thing we're in 100% control of is our attitude, right? Are you half full? Or are you half empty? Right. And so you can learn to be content, but I don't think by any means whatsoever we should be complacent. Man, I want to move the needle. I want to move. I want to grow. I want right. to go forward. I want to be hugely successful, but I want to learn to enjoy this conversation with Jeff right now. I want to enjoy the moment. Amen. Not I'll be happy when I get over there. If I can just get 100000 more, yeah. then I'll be happy. Right, right. That don't work. It don't right. work. I'm telling you, it that, don't that's work. That's an if-then statement that that is yeah. going to lead to depression, right? It will never. You. Right. It will never scratch the itch. I'm happy. I like this sort of sediment, and and it's it's a you know work in progress, but it's sort of like I'm good, and I'm getting better. Yeah, it's good. Right? You know, it's like, yeah. uh, you know, another uh, um, guest. I think it might have been a guest on Eric's show talked about this whole concept of contentment slash strive, you know, mm-hmm. where you're you're committed to, you know, constant daily growth, um, you know, across the spectrum of, of life. You always want to grow. Um, but it's not about, you know, oh, if I screw up today or if I'm lazy today, then I I'm no longer content. Um, and he attributed, what was it? It was like, um, you know, if a seed could talk, you know, uh, that's going to be an oak tree someday, you know, but mm-hmm. for a while it's just, you know, like a little sapling, you know, mm-hmm. it, you can't, if you walked up to it and went, look at you, you're just a weak little sapling. It'd go, I know I'm good. <laughs> someday I'll be big, you know, right. someday I'll provide you shade. Right? It's not striving, you know? It's it's part of its intrinsic being is growth, right? right. It, without without it, a doubt, it's thoroughly content being what it is, and it's growing because right. it, that's just part of its being. I like that. Yeah, just don't be content. I mean, be content. Just be don't content. be complacent. Don't be yep. complacent. There yeah. you go. Yeah, complacent would be the the guy that's uh, getting fat on the couch. <laughs> no, right. And that's this is that's, the part that's kind of that, like an indicator, right? It is, right. And in that for me, what I'm trying to convey to people either have a business, they're starting a business, they're very successful is the wreck, don't let it take a horrific accident to wake you up, right? Oh, amen. Because that is the that can, that's the theme of the show. Right, a heart attack or whatever today, it'll do you in. And what is your legacy going to be, right? And don't spend all your time at the office. I tell people, you know, be successful, but don't do it at the expense of your family, right? Because you're going right. to come home one day 
and they may not know you. And you may be successful financially, but you really end up losing big time the things that matter the most, and that's relationships. Right. Yeah, there's tons of people that have, you know, way more money than they could ever spend, and they don't, they're not happy. And they don't have healthy relationships, and they're probably, like, popping pills. And, you know, it's, you can do this right, you know, and that, and that takes, like, a daily practice almost, Right. Well, you got to determine, each person's got to determine what success and significance is for you. You know, for me, I sat down one day and I thought, what is success? What is that? Right. Because right. there's not, there's not a blanket. You can't put it over everybody and say, when you achieve this, you've become successful. And I started thinking through personally, even what that even means. And I thought, you know, for me, success would be kind of choosing my own schedule, right? Getting right. my calendar saying, I, I'd like to do this and that. And then the financial freedom. Here's what I hate, Jeff. I hate for people, once they've made money, they look and they go, Jeff, money is really not important. And I want to go, you liar. It is important. It is, it is very important. important. Yes. But don't make it it's your just primary a piece of the pie. aim. Yeah, don't make it your primary focus. Don't make right. it your primary aim. And then I thought about, for me, having success is having an engaging family, meaningful relationships. Like you and I can carry on a conversation, build a relationship that matters. And then I started thinking about all the business that I do and the people that I serve. And I think, do I have a clear conscience with every transaction? Because for me, that would be successful to think that I haven't cheated anybody. I've given them more, you know, than I should have. Uh, I've taken care of them. I've really looked out after them. I didn't try to take advantage of anybody. And then I thought about that 50 pounds of mine. I thought, I need to take care of myself better. I only got one body, and mm -hmm. I need to take care of myself better. And then I said, for me, knowing where I'm going, having a clear sense of direction would be very successful. And I want to establish goals and I want to dream big. And, you know, I'm a Christ follower. So my faith is really important to me. And I thought I want to be able to trust in a higher power. I want to have meaning and purpose in my life. And then at the end of the day, you know, when it's over for me, I want to look back and people say, that was a guy that had great wisdom. And then I thought, what does significance even mean? I mean, how do you even define significance? And I thought, for me, it's like meeting the needs of others. Like, if Jeff needs help, I want to come help you. And then I wanted to learn to fully engage you in our conversation. Here's what happens. People are too busy thinking about what they're about to say rather than listening to the person they're talking to. And there's where we get really sidetracked in business because if you would listen clearly and just help them meet their goals, you would be tremendously successful. But we're too worried about making the sale. We're too worried about giving them what we think they should have rather than fully engaging and listening. And then here's one for me, man, I've got to stay constant with all the time, is help people when they can't repay me. See, oftentimes our motives are skewed. Our motives are like, yeah, I'm going to do that for Jeff. And if I do, he'll hook me up with that other podcast host or, or he's connected. And he know, And I'm like, that's the wrong motive. Man, my motive ought to be to help you. It ought to be to reach out, help you obtain your goals. And I have to fight that. I suppress that all the time. I'm like, man, I got to work on that. I got to be better at that. People say they're busy. You know, it's like, I want to help people now when it's not convenient for me then I'll know I've really kind of stuck my neck out there and I've done something even though it wasn't convenient. And then I always, in every business I've ever owned since I was 18 years old, I wanted to provide above the minimal requirement to make the deal. People remember that. When you reach out, you give them more, you give them service they didn't expect, you provide more equity, 
it is a game changer for people. And then I realized that if I really pay attention, I can aid others for the benefit of their family tree, not just mine. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted yeah. to have the foresight to invest long-term. See, I don't like long, short-term anything. I like long-term stuff. Because then when you do it long-term, it's the bigger picture. You can change other people's family tree. Yeah. And so for me, you can live successful and you can live significant long as we keep this focus. Yeah, it's it's like you're you're optimizing for the long game, and that's beyond your life. Which is, uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely into that. So tomorrow gets here before you know it, <laughs> right? I mean, it'll happen. Well, in you a know, minute, if you right? if you're like me, I don't know if you're like me in this way, but uh, I I watch a lot of those YouTube things where they talk about space and time on PBS. Right, the future's already here. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's already yeah. occurred. You're yeah. just shaping it. I know. Right. That, that's a, a really neat concept, too. Yeah. So can you drill down a little bit more into into the story of uh, some of your feelings that were going on um, after that accident? So just no, I, I don't want to dwell on it. I don't want to get doomy and gloomy. But um, just so people get a little bit of insight um, I know these, these, you know, if, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. No, um, I'm good. No, I'm good. Uh, yeah, I, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. We like, can talk about it. Cause I wanted to long, help. You. How long yeah. did it last? I mean, was it just like, uh, an excruciating sort of like hanging yeah. out in the hospital? Yeah, you uh, don't get, you don't get over it. First no, of all. I, no, yeah, I can't yeah. imagine you would. You don't, you don't get over that. And here's, here's the flip side though. And I'm so grateful each and every day. And I've written about this some. I'm writing a book right now, and this is going to be included in the book. It's called An Eagle's View. It'll come out in spring of 2016. But what if I had been doing something that it was my fault? What if I don't drink, but what if I'd been drinking? What if I'd been texting? What if I'd been making a phone call or looking down, not paying attention? It would have been twice as hard to be at the point I'm at now because then it would have been like I could have kept that from happening had I not been drinking, had I not been on the phone, had I not been texting. And, you know, here's the thing, too, is when people get a divorce, oftentimes they'll lose 50 pounds and they'll shave their mustache off. And I'm like, dude, if you'd have done that a year ago, you wouldn't be getting a divorce. It's like... (laughs) Maybe. <laughs> same way, same way with texting or same way with drinking. You know, I wrote a blog. I'm going to catch some heat over and it talks about alcohol because I'm totally abstinent. I don't care for alcohol. Okay. Don't want alcohol. And so it's like if I had been impaired and that had happened, I might be in the, you know, in Looney Tunes today. It'd be like, because how could you, of, live, how could you live with yourself? Yeah. Kind of I, yeah. Right. I don't know that I could. That's my point. So, mm-hmm. Because it wasn't my fault, he just didn't look. He just didn't look, and he jumped out and ran across the street. Uh, I was able to deal with it more because it was an accident. My attorney, I called my attorney, obviously, you know, instantaneously, you know, uh, and I said, here's what's happened. You know, what do I do? And he said, well, the first thing, do not call the family. Do not go over there. Do not see them because what you say could be incriminating. Don't call them. Well, Jeff, the first thing I did was call the family. I said, you know what? This is life. This is real stuff. i got to set all that stuff aside. I've got plenty of insurance. I'm not worried about it. There's no way you I can be. You wanted to be human instead of the litigator yeah. kind of thing. So Good I did. For you. I called the family, gave my condolences. 
Uh, everyone said you know, it wasn't his fault. He happened to be my personal physician's best friend, the guy that I hit. Wow. And my physician called the family, said, I've known this guy 30 years. He's a great guy. Uh, they're a great family. Um, certainly it was an accident. So there was never any litigation. Now let me put a little different spin on the story. So 2006, my dad passed away and for two weeks he was in intensive care in the hospital. We go and sit with him all day long. He died of lung cancer. And one day I left for lunch and I came back and my mom was acting really weird. And I'm like, did the doctor tell you something new? And she said, no. And I know my mom well enough. And I said, well, what is it? And she said, well, I wasn't going to tell you this, but I will. She pointed to a lady standing in the hall. And she said, you see that lady? And I said, yeah. She said she was telling about her dad uh, being killed in an accident. And they began to talk about it and unfold it and discovered that that was the gentleman I hit's daughter. And she was the nurse that took care of my dad the last two years of his life. Whoa. Wow. Now, we never, wow. we never told her because I had never met her because it was years earlier and I, I'd never oh, met her. you guys just kind of figured it out well, without her knowing told, about it. Well, she okay. told my mom the story, where mm -hmm. it happened, mm -hmm. when right. it happened. Right. You know, so, so it your was, mom put the two and two together. Yeah, it was the details. But my point is, is you never know the twist of how things are going right. to come out. You know, I hit her dad and she took care of mine the last two years of his, I mean, last two weeks of his life. So the emotions, even going through that, uh, was very difficult. Uh, but here's the thing. Let me just tell you. And I use this analogy. You know, we have a little bitty rearview mirror, and we have a great big windshield. And that's because we need to spend a lot more time looking forward than we do behind us. Mm -hmm. And I have elected my entire life to look behind me very little. Now, I want to take the life lessons, and I want to apply them to today so I don't make that mistake again. But I spend very little time looking back because I can do nothing about it. I don't care how bad I feel. I can't undo that accident. Right. It doesn't matter what mistake you've made. I don't care what you've done. All is important to me is from today forward. If you continue to languish in such catastrophic events, it will torment your life forever, and you won't be good to anybody. James Ryle was one of the guys in my mastermind group, and I was going through a very dark time many years ago during our mastermind meetings. And one day he called me on the phone. I was in Ace Hardware in Hendersonville, and it was on a Saturday morning. We never talked to each other on the weekend. None of us did because we spent time with our families. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, something bad's happened or this is going to be really good, one or the other. And so James said, Aaron, you got a minute? And I said, sure. He said, the Lord gave me a word for you this morning, and I want to share it with you. And I thought, man, this is going to be good. This guy's a promise keeper, speaker, travels all over the world. This is going to be good. I said, hold on, James. Let me go out to the parking lot. This was during the time that I was going through this real trial. And so I went out to the parking lot, and I said, okay, I'm outside now. I can hear you clearly. Go ahead. He said, Aaron, the truth is you're wearing the crap out of everybody around you. And I just sat there, and I started laughing. I said, what? He goes, I'm serious, man. People don't want to be around you. And it made me mad. I said, James, what are you saying? And I was really offended. And he said, right. listen, he said, listen, man. He said, I know we're both Christ followers. And in the Bible, in the book of Isaiah, it says, take the chains from around your neck and move on. And it is time, brother, for you to move on. I'll see you. I got to go. And hung up the phone. Wow. And there I stood in Ace Hardware's parking lot. I'm ready to bite a nail into. I'm so mad. And then 
I thought, I said, you know what? Because I've invested all these years in him and he in me, he has the privilege and the right to breathe into my life like he did, and he's right. And let me tell you something. My life changed that day because he was right. And that's what I'm telling people that are listening now. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. You can't undo it. What you need to focus your effort and energy on is what's ahead of you and forget what is in the past and strive on to what's forward. So you can do the same. If you've got something holding you down, man, get rid of it today. Let it go. I'll tell you what we did. You said this was to talk about things that you didn't normally talk about right. on shows. Right. I'm going to tell you something else that's Please. really personal. I'm okay. going to tell you something that's really personal. I love it. I don't. I don't think I've ever told this story. I've been on 120 interviews this, this year. Is, I don't this think is I've ever told this story. This is your conventional. But, <laughs> well, let me let me tell you. Maybe there's a priest out there, but let me let me tell you something that really helped me move on. This is an activity that I did that really helped me. I couldn't get over this thing, and I'm not going to share that. It's too personal. It doesn't matter what it is anyway. We all got our stuff. Sure. So I wrote. A friend of mine told me to do this exercise. So Robin and I with two other couples got together at a buddy of mine's house. We sat on his patio. He's got a fireplace on his patio and we listened to some praise and worship music. We had some prayer time and I wrote a letter about that incident. I wrote a letter about what I was troubled about and I burned it on February 23rd of a certain year. I burned it and I was able to put a stake in the ground and say, today I let this go. See, what happens is, is we do things and we can never point to a time where we said it's over, it's finished, it's done. And I was able to say February 23rd of that year, I let that go. And it has helped me so much to get rid of things in my life that I can say, I can point to that day and say, I'm not discussing that anymore. It's over. It's gone. It's done. That little activity, if you've got something you can't let go, do that activity. Get two or three friends together, have a fire, write the letter, put it in the envelope, seal it, and burn it, and you let it go. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's a broom or a veer, but whatever it is. That is a thing that has really, really helped me overcome some of these obstacles. I'm going to tell you something. I've done okay in business and all that. It's, it is not all uphill. Let me just tell you. It's very, very up and down right. and flat and sideways. You know, Being a successful entrepreneur is not like straight up. And I'm telling you, there's dark days. There's dark times. But you grow from them. It's like building a muscle. Right. right. Yes. You learn from it. And now I don't have to deal with that scenario. Now, if there's something wrong, I know the exercise to go through. Hopefully that'll help some of your listeners. Oh, totally. You know, and that and that um, I think uh, what we can get into now is maybe a little bit of what you do on a regular daily basis, because I think more than anything. Um, OK, so this podcast uh, helps my growth like uh, every time I talk to somebody new, I grow like a ton. It's almost like I, I get like growth hangovers because it okay. takes like a couple of weeks for uh, my whole uh, being to absorb a, a, a new guest almost. Um, sure. But the growth is coming. So that's one thing. I mean, adding the podcast, the self-help, these sort of very frank and, um, and you know, getting into the, the darker spots of people's lives. Huge. It's big, you know. Um, but another thing I really enjoy, and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's uh, it's called Morning Pages. It's like where you just journal, and it's basically you just write three pages of whatever it whatever it is that you're writing doesn't matter. It's the exercise is just to write three three handwritten pages every morning, and mm-hmm. that to me 
has been transformational, you know, mm. just beyond belief. Mm. Um, uh, another thing I do is I like to just sit quietly in nature for about 20 minutes. Meditate. Yep. 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 Um, so what sorts of things, uh, do you have like a, a morning ritual? Or oh, absolutely. Daily? I'm yep. so regimented. I'm boring. I'm just oh, telling you. I love you. boring. Boring. Well, I'm boring. Boring is I'm, my thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm usually in bed nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock every yeah, night. Too. And I try to get, uh, I, uh, if I could do eight, I would, but that's, I don't, don't want to do eight, but I'll do that. But I do get up between four and five AM every morning. Me too. And we live, uh, we live back in the woods. I've got a you know, just, it's kind of like a cabin style house. We sold the big house because it owned us, you know, and we got tired of taking care of it, maintaining it. It's just Robin and I. So we live, uh, back in the woods. We got a quarter acre of grass and everything else is woods all around us. And I've got kind of an outdoor office space and I'll go out there in the mornings and sit. And, uh, I watch the sun come up, you know, I just sit there and watch that. I listen to praise and worship on my iPad. I have two prayer lists. I have one for family and then I have one for clients and I pray for every member of my family every day. And then I pray for every client that I'm coaching every day that God give me the inspiration, the wisdom, uh, and the knowledge, uh, in order to convey to them what they need to hear. So it's very, very, very serious to me. And I take that very serious. They're paying me and they're trusting me. And here's the thing, Jeff, they're doing some of the things that I advise and I want to be sure I tell them right. And so it's very important. I read scripture. Uh, so I spend the first hour, hour and a half going through that process. And then I get on about my normal day, just like you do the email and the coaching and writing. I love to read. I'll read two to three hours most mornings, uh, because you don't wake up smarter. And so I'll keep two or three books going, you know, at all times. And so I love to read. I've read hundreds of books and that's one of the things that we do in the mastermind group. And, um, you can go to my website, viewfromthetop.com and there's recommended reading uh, material there that I suggest books that I've read that I've enjoyed, but that's kind of my process. And I coach guys one-on-one. Then I lead these mastermind groups three days a week. And recently I'm really excited about the community. And it's something that a lot of people can't afford me one-on-one, and then they can't afford the mastermind groups. So I started what's called the community. It's $37 a month. I said, you Mm, can't go to McDonald's and get a cup of coffee right every day for that. And so what I do is I teach every Wednesday at 5 o'clock on a webinar for 45 minutes, and then we have a forum that all these men come together and they share resources, ideas. They're forming partnerships. We've got people all over the world that have joined this group. And then I just lead those guys. And so we're growing. That's kind of how I scale my business, you know, getting these guys all over the world together. But the value of them coming together, building these relationships and sharing ideas and having kind of an accountability with a number of these guys have paired off and they've got accountability partners now. And they get re- you can't even use all the resources that are there. Then you get encouragement. You know, we have have 90 day goals that we try to hit. So it's a really, really fun thing to be involved in the community. So that's kind of how my day is. And that's what I do. I try to reserve Thursday and Fridays to do interviews and write. And uh, so I I write a lot of blogs and then I'm writing a book right now, as I told you earlier. And uh, I have four grandkids and they live five minutes from me. And I like to spend a lot of time with them. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of what my day looks like. My two daughters work for me full time. I've got a 32 year old daughter and a 29 year old daughter. And uh, they each have an office in our offices and they work for me every day. So one of those, uh, one of those was the the lady that uh, emailed me probably then. That's yeah. It was Brooke (laughs) Brooke or Holly. I don't know which. Yeah. 
it yep. was probably yep. Brooke. Yep. I yep. remember. Okay. That's, that's amazing. And, and as you were saying that story, I, I had to tell you, um, my dad and brother, they have, uh, 40 acres that they use as a summer slash hunting camp up in uh, uh, northern Michigan. So it's it's basically uh, 40 acres of that hardwood forest. Oh, and man. then this really old, old ancient farmhouse uh, mm. with a little, you know, with a little yard and fire pit and, and shed yeah. for the... The four wheelers. Um, I love. I, I know. Love. I know. So you know, um, <laughs> it's, we got it's, deer and turkey. They're all. Yeah. On the oh yeah, we have wild turkey up there too. Yeah. Yeah. Any yeah. minute, I can look out and see deer and turkey everywhere. Yeah. So. It's and my fun. mom is uh, my mom is uh, obsessed with feeding her birds. So yeah. they they uh, they get like tons of bulk uh, bird seed and feed yeah. the chickadee, and yeah. then they also use like leftover bacon grease and sugar water to feed the hummingbirds. That's Isn't hilarious. That's- <laughs> I'm looking at them out my window. I'm at my home office today. My wife does the same, and I'm watching two feeders right now. There's birds out there everywhere. So, you know what? It's these simple things. It's the simple things. Yeah. Right? It's not the big expensive things, you know. It's the simple things, and it's these relationships. It's nature. It's all those things that really uh, do it for us ultimately long term, you know. People get stressed out. They go to the country, right? They get out of the city. They go to the country. Right. Right. And that's why I chose to live in the country. Maybe I won't be quite as stressed out. But, um, yeah, the simple things, man, uh, living your life that way is really enjoyable. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we share a, a lot of, uh, of um, you know, common, common points here. You know, mm-hmm. love of nature and, you know, I, you know, I don't necessarily follow Christ anymore, but I was raised um, a Lutheran. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm familiar with all of that um, uh, faith tradition. Um, I've actually, you know, been on that spiritual journey and I've kind of like, I'm, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate, who would, who can label it anymore. But, you know, like at some point in high school, I sort of started just steering away from that and going, nah, I'm going to try some other things. And I'm still on that road, you know, uh, as far as like where my faith is. I mean, it's there. I have a faith. It's just not the the written down religion kind anymore and i don't you know it's great what i think it doesn't matter what faith you have i just want i i would love for everybody to have a faith if that makes any sense yeah you know we can uh at some point because it'd take a lot longer than the rest of our time to discuss that maybe i can come (laughs) back on at some point we can discuss that i don't like to debate religion or no, faith, no, you know, not, not but I love to talk about it. Right. I right, love to discuss right. that, but sure. just my personal faith is in Jesus Christ. You know, sure. that's just no, my personal and, and faith. That's great. And, uh, that's really for me, you know, the scripture teaches it's the way, the only way. And, you know, everybody's got an interpretation of that, but it's just the way I like to believe. No. And, and, and I think that's, that's great. You know, I think everybody needs to find the way that works for them, you know, uh, that's just, you know, that's my personal belief. So. There you go. It's your show, man. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> and, and I'm a guest. I'm like an evangelist. You know, I can say what I want and leave, too, and I don't have to deal with what's left over. So it's a great platform for yeah, both people. So it's a win-win awesome. situation. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. yeah I that's agree. Good. I agree. So um, let's see. So now what are, what's keeping you busy outside of uh, of coaching? I mean, what do you do for fun? 
I love to hunt. I love to fish. I love to play uh, golf. Man, you, you know? would get along with my brother. <laughs> I, know, I, I know. I want to talk to you after we get off the interview about that little camp up there. I'd look good sitting in that little log cabin you're oh, talking you about would. with that fire going. But yeah. yeah, my grandkids are really my life. I mean, I go okay. to all their sporting events, you know, their school activities, the ones that we can go to, the field days. Uh, I, my That's great. grandkids live five minutes from me. My two daughters live across the street from each other. They live on the same cul-de-sac. So all the kids get to play with each other every day. They're always spending the night at each other's house. They're being raised like brothers and sisters, you know, so that's been a real cool experience also. But we're real family uh, here. We're all about family because uh, my dad and mom raised us that way. And making money's good. Making other relationships is money's good. All fun. those things are great. Money's <laughs> fine. All those things are good. But you know, the core, the family unit is really important to us. So we spend a lot of time with family. Yeah, I think um, uh, one of the key lessons I've learned in the last year or so is I get a lot more value when I stop chasing things just for prestige. Actually, I can just throw away prestige. I don't I don't need to chase that anymore. But, you know, you still need money. So money can be a goal. But like you said, it's uh, it's not your, you know, the central focus. And I think uh, I think that's a, a valuable lesson that I've learned. But the you know pers- what's cool, Jeff, if you don't make it your central focus right. and you make meeting the person's need the Exceeding, central focus, yes. you'll make more money. You'll I, be more successful. I know it's par- it's a paradox. Yeah, and, the, but the more it's true. you try, I, got, I know. I got forty years of experience that will tell you it works. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, I agree. Focus on the client. Focus on meeting their needs and serving them well. People stand in line to hand you money. <laughs> I'd like to see that. You should. You should. Uh, you should get like a, a bunch of uh, customers to stand I'll take in a line. Picture and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. You know exactly. I what totally I totally mean. know what you mean. It, yeah, it's I just. Do. I do. It works because there's so few people out there that are really focused on the client and building relationships intentionally and spending time calling people, checking on them. I go through this little exercise with a lot of my clients. They say, "How can I do some things to do building relationships intentionally?" And I do this every day. I'll call people and I'll say, hey, Jeff, how's it going? How's your wife, children, the business, you know? And I won't ask you a question. I won't ask you to borrow anything. I won't ask for your advice. I'll just call and check on you. And then when I hang up, it leaves this indelible impression because you're used to people saying, hey, Jeff, how's the wife, the kids? Hey, while I got you on the phone, let me ask you a question. I want to say, you liar. Now we're getting down to why you called me. You want something, right? Right, right, right. But when you don't ask the question, it leaves this indelible footprint in their mind. They're like, Aaron really was interested in me. It was really, I mean, he didn't want anything. He didn't ask me to borrow my saw and he didn't ask... (laughs) He didn't want anything. He really called checking on me. Now you formed a bond with that person that most people don't have. Yeah. And so if you do that intentionally and really care, you know, I don't mean blow smoke. People find out that pretty quick. You know, you'll be labeled a fraud and it'll be. You have to be authentic. No, if it's not authentic, don't do it. Don't don't waste your time. I agree. Yeah. I've got a buddy that that, uh, uh, I've known since like the fourth grade. If, maybe even like before that. But anyway, he's like, uh, he's got like a whole house full of kids. So, and he's, you know, obviously busy. So, but whenever he's like uh, in the car on the road, 
I'm his entertainment. He gets on the phone and he calls me. He says, what's up? You know? Right. And right. then, and then we'll talk. And then as soon as he gets to the store or wherever he's going, you, you go, okay, see ya. And I'm like, okay. right. He's done with you. <laughs> he's done with he's me. He's using you, Jeff. He's using I'm you. okay with it. He can use yeah. me all he wants because all we're doing is, you know, just, you know, catching up. That's it. You know, something else that a little exercise that I help guys kind of visually see, you know, I'm sure within reach, you've got a cell phone. And then when that phone rings and you look down and it says Aaron and something comes to your mind, every person that calls you, when you look down, you see their name, something comes to your mind. It's either this is going to be exciting. This is going to be energizing, empowering. He's Fun. Wants to he wants to borrow something. It's fun. <laughs> Ew, I'm not answering it, or, that one. <laughs> or, he, or he sucks the life out of you. Or, mm -hmm. oh, God, what does he want? Right? Right. But that same thing happens to everybody. So when Jeff calls and your name shows up, what do they think? See, I want to be the guy that's like, man, I can't wait to answer the phone because this is going to be encouraging, empowering. I'm going to lift them up. I don't want to be the leech. I don't want to suck the wind out of the room. I want to be that guy. And when you're that guy, people want to be around you. And because they want to be around you, the reciprocity happens. And they will buy your widget. And they will buy your service. And your business will flourish if you're that guy. If you're the other guy, you got way more obstacles to overcome. And I'm saying... Try to be that person. Intentionally be good. Intentionally be generous. Intentionally do random acts of kindness. Intentionally lift people up. And when you do that, your life changes as Amen. a result of not only their life, but your life will be better because of it. It's true. You know, and I can, I can share now because you just made me think of some things. So, like, when I retired from the Air Force in 2008... Um, I, I worked like two jobs back to back for about three years. And then I took some time off to go back to school. And during that, say like 2008 to now-ish, um, you know, I was a little bit like you on the couch. You know, I actually went through a period just recently, maybe like a, a year last year. Yeah. Last year I was, uh, trying to fill my time and make money at the same time without getting a job. So one of the things I did to do that uh, was I was driving for one of Uber's competitors. Uh, it's called Lyft here in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. L-Y-F-T. Um, and while I was doing that, I was also, um, oh, you know, here I am. I don't know where I'm at and I need to use the bathroom. Geez, I guess I'll go to this, this fast food place. Oh, and if I'm here, I can't not buy something. So, so that was how I talked myself into gaining my 50 pounds. <laughs> uh oh, I understand. I'm like you though. It's only about an 18 month period out of 55 years that I was hanging out on the couch. Other than that, I've been busting it. So Good for you. Lot, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, no, you know, and, but what I learned like recently was, um, up until a certain point, I was giving myself permission to be bad. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know man, what I'm talking not, about? That's not a good place to be. No, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. No, but right. what, what I'm saying is, is um, now I, through this practice that I've, I've got, you know, um, I actually authentically want to behave better. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Sure Am it I does. Getting, yeah. You know, and before I, I was like posing a little bit. Is it, you know, uh -oh, you're, I, a, you're an imposter. I was, I was really, <laughs> I, I was a poser, a right. poser. Right. I would be like saying 
there was some little notch in myself. Well, well, that's not really that bad. You can do that. Right. You know, you know, and giving myself permission to do those bad things. Um, and now I don't want to anymore. You know, I still occasionally have this sort of like, oh, I think I'm going to be bad, but I actually don't want to. I, I right. authentically am trying, um, you know, to come up with, you know, healthy alternatives, you know, like what you were talking about. You just like abstain from alcohol altogether. Now, I still, mm, let's see, I'm on a diet that only allows me to have a beer once a week. Mm-hmm. So I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm okay with that. You know, once a week, meh, not that bad. Um, I do do wine still. Right. But, you know, it's like now I'm looking for ways to like not have wine at all. So, well, they quit. I mean, it ain't that hard, right? <laughs> if, if, if you're not addicted, one of my clients wrote on his That's great. I, form, love that. he said, I love that. He said, one of the goals that I have is stop drinking carbonated beverages. Mm-hmm. And I called him and I said, Matt, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, I'm dead serious. I've been drinking these things for 30 or 40 years. I said, you're done. As of today, you're, you're done. And he goes, what? I said, you're done. He texted me yesterday. It's so funny we're talking about this. He goes, it's been one year since I had a Coke. And I started laughing. So I'm just telling you, man, quit. Quit. Just stop. Just it's stop. not that hard. Just make up your mind and quit. If you don't want to do true. it, stop. That's true. That's hilarious. It is hilarious. You know, I, yeah, yeah, it is just excuses, isn't it? I hate excuses. Right. You know, it's like, Thanks. hey, I go into a meeting. That's coaching you know, right there. Just quit. I go, <laughs> I go into a meeting and, you know, and everybody's got an excuse, you know. It's right. like, hey, I'm sorry I'm late to traffic. I said, but the, the truth is you didn't leave on time. If you'd left right. earlier, you'd be here on time. Right. Just say it. Right. Yeah, yeah, just whatever right. it is. Just say, hey, I'm sorry I'm late. I didn't leave on time. Yeah. No, you're quit. right. Quit. Quit. I want to be your quit. accountability partner, Jeff. You just got to do it. <laughs> I'm going to check in on you regularly and oh, man. see. Now you have to be on the show a little bit more often. Because, I know. You know, I, now, now I can just, every time I want a new a new thing to uh, not be in my life anymore, I'll right. just call Aaron and he'll just say, just there, quit. Stop. <laughs> Don't do it. Hey, stop doing some, it. You've had some of my buddies on your show. Michael O'Neill's been on there, Chris Brogan, and uh, some of those guys. I know those guys. And then Jay Massey. Jay was in my mastermind group for a while. Oh, he's awesome. And Yeah, yeah. So you've had some... Uh, folks on your show. And I'm going to go to them and say, Jeff quit drinking on this episode, you know, and I just want to tell you, you hold him accountable. I'm going to tweet Chris in a minute and tell him. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. When, when I do quit, I'm going to let you know. That'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. But now you've, you've planted the seed and I don't think I can keep drinking anymore. Uh, you're done. I might, so I might you're going to think about this conversation when you pop I that might. cork and you're going to go, Big A said, I got to quit, man. I'm done. I so I'm done. done. <laughs> I might it's be not, done. it's not hard. Oh, you know what though? What I've figured out, uh, um, helps, you know, um, cause just quitting may, may, may not work. But, um, if, uh, say after I get home in the evening from a yoga class, instead of turning the TV on, I read a book and turn on some music. There you go. Then I am not, wine is not involved in that process. So it's a habit. Have you it's read a, uh, Charles habit. Duhigg's right. book, The Power of Habit? No. 
No, you need to read that it. book, man. It's killer. It's a great, great book. Uh, I don't know if you talk about books on your show or not. I do. That one. And I do. the next book is Essentialism. Greg McCowan. Oh, man. You are like, I don't even know. Uh, I it's, just downloaded that book, oh so my it's on goodness. my it's on my iPad and my Kindle. You've not app. read it yet. I'm I am in the process of reading okay. it. Okay, I'm wow. on my third time. Uh, so essentialism teaches you how to get the non-essentials out of your life and focus on the vital few things that are important. And if you'll implement that strategy and quit right. being a mile wide and an inch deep, yeah, and focus down, be an inch wide and a mile deep, right? Man, you're talking about being successful. Less but you'll better. Get some stuff. Out. Oh God, less like, but better. Yeah. Greg McCowan knocked it out of the park with that book. And it's it's that's so much about what Vroom Vroom Veer is all about because people vrooming is um people being busy to be busy. You know, they want to be able to run around and ignore people because they're busy, right? I can't stop moving. I'm moving. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, activity doesn't necessarily mean productivity. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and then and then if you're not, then you feel guilty, right? <laughs> Without is, a question, but with, you need to focus on the things that are vital, yeah, right? important. Then, that yeah. the things that uh, that you value. Well, this Jeff, is, you're an awesome host, man. I've really enjoyed being on your show. This yeah, has been this a has fun. Been a, time. This has been a good yeah. time. So yeah, it's fun. let's you're good let's time. go through your um, your uh, viewfromthetop.com, right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the website. All the ways to find me at. Uh, viewfromthetop.com. You know, like I said earlier, the community is something, man, we're really trying, you know, my niche market are men because I've been dealing with men for 30 plus years in these accountability groups I'm in and masterminds. So my niche market is men. Right. The community, one-on-one coaching, the uh, mastermind groups. I get 10 guys together virtually. I have people all over the world that come together virtually. Same 10 guys meet every week. And man, they're doing life together. Just like I've been doing in person here in Nashville for two decades. It's the same experience. It's life changing. So I would invite you to that. I do one-on-one coaching. People that really want to take their business to the next level. Uh, we really go through some strong accountability. We really look at it from a different perspective. And I can help you achieve those dreams and goals that you want to accomplish I'd love for you to reach out. Twitter is at VFT Coach, like View from the Top, VFT Coach. Gotcha. My email, my phone number, everything. It's easy to get a hold of me if you want to find me. So Yeah, and listen, I'll, put all, I, I'll put links to all of those things in the show right. notes. Yeah. Let me tell you, I wanted to give something to your listeners. Is that okay? Can I give oh, them a gift? Oh, for sure. Okay, yes. here's what I want to do. I've created a landing page, and it's called View from the Top dot com forward slash veer v-e-e-r all in lowercase letters perfect there's three documents i want to give you one is called personal assessment where you really look at your identity your values your needs your faith your career your relationships and you really do a deep dive kind of about yourself the next one is what most people don't do is what do i want most people don't know what they want in life they want bigger better faster shinier right (laughs) Right. <laughs> and, and the truth is, is we need to design a life intentionally that we want to live. We need to live proactively, not reactively. So I created a three-page document that helps you get your life centered and what you want. It asks very specific, pointed questions. The third one is called Steps to a Productive Day. 
and I help you start on that very boring regimen I talked about earlier in your morning rituals, and it takes you through your entire day, all the things you need to accomplish, and it's kind of like a checklist, a to-do list on steroids is kind of what it is, and I've made these for free. There's no charge. I've took off any price off of them. I'm going to give them to your audience. Go to that landing page, viewfromthetop.com forward slash beer, and download every one of those. Help yourself. I hope it's a catalyst to help you live a successful and significant life. Well, I'm going to check it out. And well, I, you better because one of your goals <laughs> is quit drinking wine. So I already know what the first line is going to be. <laughs> quit drinking wine. There, there you go. go. There you hey, go. Done. Done. <laughs> done. I'm going to see if you're a man of action or if you just talk a lot. So we'll We'll, see f- we'll find out. We'll figure it out. Well, it's thank, been fun, Jeff. Thank, thank you, Aaron. Thank you yeah. for uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for having fun with me and uh, and sharing your stories that you don't get to share on other podcasts. I Thanks. appreciate it. You're awesome. See you, buddy. All right. Thanks. Take care.